next stop, the Super Bowl. Hell yeah, you know we on. We built to do this all night long. Who that? Who that say they gon' beat them Saints? They a lie. They can try, but in the don't we know they ain't. Let's go. We on the road. The next stop, the Super Bowl. Who that? And welcome back to Kenosha Chronicles podcast. I'm your host as always. Brendan Ertle. I'm alongside my co-host, Nate and Chris. Uh, we're here to break down the Saints' ugly game against the Carolina Panthers in Carolina that uh, definitely didn't go any way which we thought, but uh, it's here we're uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, how you guys doing after this uh, total domination of us? How you guys feeling? Um, I want to just say that I hope that in life, I never run into people as up and down and emotional as a certain portion of Saints <laughs> fan Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I do not want to have and be the worst thing ever created. You know who um, you are, too. <laughs> so that's um, otherwise, man, burn the film, get ready for week three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Honestly, I think that's all you can do. I, 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 you can't even take anything from this game. You really, truly can't. You can't judge Jameis because the offensive line was garbage. It's unfair to judge the offensive line completely because they had no coaches for substitutions. Ian Book was running the substitutions on offense. A rookie, mm-hmm. of all people, I mean, we could have pulled a couple fans out <laughs> if we had given them, you know, a couple days, and I would have felt more comfortable like fans that are there are a couple knowledgeable fans out there that I would have felt okay with, but no, no disrespect to Ian Bucky. I'm sure he did everything asked of him. Even Sean Payton said after the game, like our protection coverage was just the plan was horrible. And uh, he kind of took credit for that. Uh, so I guess respect for Sean. We all know that, uh, but it's just one of those things that like, like we've been saying, burn the playbook, mm-hmm. burn the notes, move yeah. on new England next week, this week. Yeah, I, it's it, games like this. I like to watch the all 22 sometimes and just to like to see like what went wrong. I enjoy watching the losses more in the wins just because uh, you just I feel like you learn a little bit more. But in this in this case, I'm not even going to look at it. And I know the Saints coaches, they'll have to look at this film and they'll have to watch it a lot. But in my opinion, you throw this film away, you restart and you look on to yeah, this week in New England, because every part of this game was bad from the first play to the last there wasn't a good play and kind of like the saints this podcast has no format right now we're just going to just rant the straight time because that's all that's all i pretty much got honestly and it it the main thing that was so frustrating was if this was if this game took place week one and we saw this saints it'd be like uh yeah this is gonna be rough but we saw the Saints absolutely demolish the NFC finalist Green Bay Packers. And the Packers are currently tied with the Detroit Lions right now, but they've looked pretty good. So it's not like the Packers are just horrible. The Saints came out and looked great. Everything they did was perfect. The Saints last week had the number one offense, number one defense, and where they were up there in the special teams category as well. This week, last in everything. Last in offense, last in defense. Special teams was Pretty much the only bright spot of the game, Blake Gillikin 
give him the game ball, and that's the only person I'm giving the game ball to is Blake Gillikin. Uh, just starting off with the offense, here, here's my rant. Here's going to be my rant. The problem was obviously the offensive protection. And going into this game, yeah, you're missing coaches. You're missing some players. Uh, the substitution was obviously being done by Ian Book, a rookie, which is you do what you got to do. But they, besides that, they weren't missing a ton from last week. I mean, you look at Eric McCoy. He left pretty early. They got it done. Cesar Ruiz looked really good in that Packer game. This game, it's just a total just – it's so hard not to cuss. It's just a total just mess. And the main thing was the protection. And the frustrating part was the blocking wasn't even that bad. It was just the miscommunications. Tron, you know when Tron Arbs says jumping off sides, something's not right. That's not like him. Uh, Deuce McAllister posted a tweet, and it was like, the Saints were in a slide protection one time against a front that they definitely shouldn't have been. And when Drew Brees was here, he would call it out. He would change the protection. But it feels like no one is taking charge. Cesar Ruiz isn't taking charge. Simmons Winston isn't taking charge. Someone needs to take charge of the protection, and it should be Jameis Winston. But I know he this whole training camp, Eric McCoy has been doing it, and he's been great at it. You lose him, and it just goes crazy. But there was this stat, and I'll have to find it, and I'll pass on to one of you guys. But this is the most pressures a quarterback has ever had on dropbacks since, like, 2008. It was, like, 18 to 25 dropbacks he was – had pressure in his face. And it wasn't like it was like a little bit of pressure. It was like a free rusher. Like, like any of us could have got there too. So that's my opening rant. I'll pass on to one of you guys. I, I mean, look, I, you, this is, this is what the NFL can do for you sometimes, man. You know, you, you have a game against Green Bay where pretty much everything goes right um, in a situation where you still, you know, there's still some chaos around you not being able to – you're playing a home game in Jacksonville. You're missing starters. But then, you know, the next week, in a sense, things only get worse, right, or only get more challenging. Um, and, you know, listen, every team has their – has different forms of adversity. And we follow – you know, you follow this team over the past 10 years, and, and, and especially in the past – three, four years while they've been winning and been in playoff contention. Um, it's, it's, it's going to always be something. Um, this game offensively, I mean, like you mentioned, man, it, it, it reminds, it, it reminded me of a car crash. And I, and I, and I probably would say that because I'm driving right now, um, uh, unfortunately, but um, it, it, it reminded me of a car crash that I couldn't really turn away from. And only because, it, some of the things that happened was just like, that doesn't happen. And I was watching things. I was watching Jameis running for his life repeatedly. And I, and I, I wouldn't have even known that that was the most pressured or the most quarterback had been pressured since I, I you know, you, what, what you say, 2014, 2004, whatever, however long it's been. Um, I wouldn't have known that. But when you have two all pro tackles um, and Ryan Ramchek, Ron Armstead. Uh, you have another Pro Bowler in Andrews Pete, a first-round pick. Now, I mean, we know Eric McCoy is important. And look, they were able. They played a game in Green Bay where everything went right for them offensively. They, 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 they were able to take care of everything without having to make a shitload of adjustments uh, because, you know, I mean, 
everything went went according to plan. You know, they were able to run the football. They were able to do everything that they wanted to do for the most part. So, the, you know, the play action pass was there. And against Carolina, nothing worked. They couldn't they couldn't run the football. They didn't have time to throw, you know, to to uh, to get passes down the field. They couldn't make quick throws. Guys weren't weren't able to get open right away. And Carolina's pass rush was so good. They they were able to eventually run stunts and manipulate their defense in a, in, in, in a bunch of ways. Uh, they put the Saints. I mean, it looked like Jameis was seeing ghosts out there sometimes. He was he was moving before he had to, which is fair. I mean, in that in that type of situation, that's what happens. But it's still laughable to me because I don't think anybody believes his offensive line is that bad. Nobody should. Even even without Eric McCoy, they are not that bad. And I I just think coming off of the week you had against Green Bay, um, you always need a reminder, even if it's this early in the season, that hey, injured or not. These are the type of things that can happen to you. Alvin said it in week one, like nobody cares. Nobody cares. But the silver lining after all of this is that you know that they they will learn from this. The coaches will be back. Players will get healthy. And you're going to see better performances. But I could do nothing more than, you know, but just laugh because um, I don't think you're going to see another performance anywhere close to that Um offensively I mean just we're focusing on this side offensively I don't think you're going to see that in a very long time it's just too many laughable things that that happen you're just like man okay I, I mean it is what it is at this point yeah there was a lot of like almost absurd things like we're not used to seeing that with this same team the one thing that I think most of us will agree on at least for the past couple of years the one thing we've been looking at you know there's been a lot of rotation there's been a lot of injuries in the offensive line but even the staples that we are so used to being solid, good, foundational blocks, Ramjack, Armstead, everyone looked bad. It wasn't, it wasn't just a one. It wasn't Cesar Ruiz fault alone. Um, Granny's the center, so he's making a lot of adjustments. Granny's still young. Uh, and Granny he did play great against Green Bay. Uh, there's something there with the scheme, and there's something there with just the entire communication on the offensive line. It's funny, Chris, that you said the seeing ghosts, considering we were playing against Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you meant to do that, but I love that either way. <laughs> uh, I didn't even think about it until you said it, but you're completely spot on. Anytime you have a team like the Saints did, they had 128 total yards. They gave up 115 yards in penalties. Jeez. It's just unreal. On a, on a, and I, I know – it's a Sean Payton coach team. Sean Payton's not perfect, but we are not used to seeing that from a Sean Payton coach team. Granted, coaching staff was decimated by COVID protocols, uh, but you know that that's going to happen. That's something you have to be prepared for and something we have to deal with. I'm just glad it happened in week two rather than week 10. Uh, it goes mm-hmm. a lot further, and I'm glad it happened against this game. You know, they controlled Kamara. They got pressure to Jameis, and that's all it takes to really slow down this offense without Michael Thomas. Um, and especially with the offensive line and shambles, that's, that's all it takes. That's what they did. Like Drew Brees said, they came to play, uh, and it's on to the next one. That's really all there is to it. Two stats for you. I found, the, I found the other stat. The Panthers pressure Jameis Winston on 18 of his 28 dropbacks, the third highest pressure rate for any NFL team since they began tracking pressure in 2009. So I, I, I personally didn't, I didn't like how Jameis played. But I'm not on the train where I'm like, yeah, Jameis is back to his Tampa Bay form. Yeah, his decisions to throw, the second decision, uh, the interception of J.C. Horn, that wasn't a great decision. But the first throw he had, he had Deontay Harris 
but he had pressure right in his face, and it wasn't a good throw. But I wouldn't say it was a bad decision on that play. If he throws a good ball, it's a touchdown. But Brian Burns chasing down, you can just see when he's just letting go of that ball, Brian Burns is right under his chin. So um, it, it wasn't great. Another stat was the 128 yards by the Saints. That is the lowest in the Sean Payton era and the lowest in the past 20 years for the Saints. Um, and with those two stats, I would have said the Saints lost 38-3, but they lost 26-7. And pretty much the only positive of this game was it really felt like the Saints were in this game till the fourth quarter, which was weird because we were playing so awfully bad, like just so bad. And it felt like we had life. And like at the end of that third quarter, we had life. We had the ball. We were down 17. And after that touchdown, they really did have a shot. And uh, they get the ball back, obviously, down 17-7. James gets hit, and they they call it a phone, but it wasn't. Uh, But the other thing I'll say, my next rant, is it's about the Saints, about the Panthers, and it's more about around the league. This whole week of NFL football, the officiating was so weak. It was just – I'm not just, like, biased towards the Saints, but there was a rough in the passer calling Jameis that was weak. There was uh, Christian Ringo's where he touched Sam Darnold's feet. They call roughing the passer. Zach Bond had a had a late hit on Christian McCaffrey, a shoestring tackle. Like, I've never once seen that. Uh, there was just so many calls around the league. The taunting, I don't know if you saw it. I'm sure everyone's seen all the videos of all the bad calls. And I just hope that gets cleaned up because if the Saints were in this game and they had those penalties, I mean, it would have just been so much more frustrating for all of us um, but sticking, sticking to this offense and looking at the wide receivers and the production the Saints had, it's just, it's so odd. Alvin Kamara, eight carries, five yards. Sam Darnold had one carry for seven yards. Did anyone expect that? No. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey led the Saints in receiving yards with 27 yards. And you go look at the Panthers receiving stats and they're off the charts. Everyone's got a catch. Everyone's got solid amount of yards. It's just, it was really a flop. And I think they're starting to hit the point where um, the injuries are starting to mount up. They're obviously losing their coaches. You're living in a hotel. You're at TCU every day. I hope this was their their flop and they'll get back to it in New England next week. Not making excuses, but that the, even the offensive line didn't have their O-line coach all week. They had it obviously for game day, but um, Brandon, I want to say his name's Nougat. I don't, I don't know how to say his last name, but he was out all week with that dumb COVID thing. And uh, Jerome Bushrod was coaching the tight ends and they had other guys filling in for different positions. So this team was just, it really felt like it was going to be an off week. And I kind of jinxed it last week. And I kind of, this was a trap game for me personally. And I said, four, no, is that a good expectation? Um, I, it was a trap game for me too. So all around, this was just a really rough game. And uh, yeah, I, I don't got much to say. It's an interesting point of measure, and it really means nothing. But right now, at the two-minute warning in the first half of the Monday Night Football game, as we're reporting this, the Lions are up 14-7 to on Green Bay. The Lions aren't bad, but to say they're decent or good is a stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I just, I'm really hoping that's not a benchmark. And even if it is, the Saints blew the water, blew the Packers out of the water. Uh, but that just came up on my phone. It seems worth worth mentioning after a down week. It seems like we need to kick ourselves while we're down because we're Saints fans and that's what we do. But uh, it is interesting. We'll see how this game turns out. But uh, maybe an overreaction after week one. 
but I don't think we saw anything like this coming. And I do not think this is par for the course. I think like Chris said, this will not be a common commonality for the Saints team now or in the future. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, and, and look, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay to, you know, to say at some point, like we've been spoiled with the Saints ability to win with less, you know, to win with key guys, you know, win games they should not win with multiple key players being out. Like we've been blessed. Like a lot of teams don't have that privilege. A lot of teams can't say what in the past, what is it? The past two, three years, the Saints are uh, come, well, coming into to, uh, Sunday, they were nine and one, you know, with backup quarterbacks or without Drew Brees. Like a lot of, you know, I mean, how many teams can say that about their organization to be able to do that? And that's without pointing all the other guys that have been hurt, you know, repeatedly throughout this process. So it's just now it's just worse than it's ever been. I mean, that graphic, Brendan, that you put out, I, I, I mean, how could anyone look at that? And, like, we're, we're probably stupid for thinking that we were going to go into Carolina and win that game. I mean, your starting cornerback is out. Your starting slot cornerback slash safety slash uh, instigator is out. Um, your, your starting wide receiver is out. Your starting center is out. I, 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 you're, uh, I mean, who, who else was out in this game? Your second, your second best linebacker is out. Was put Zach Bond in hell. Your, your left end is out. Your defensive tackle was out. They had so many starters in hell. A lot of these players are impactful players. A few of them are elite players in the league when upright and healthy. So, you know, um, the fact that you know, I know, Brendan, you said that there was nothing that was good in this game. The fact that they were in it. And it was 17 to seven at the end of the, what, at the beginning of the fourth quarter means something to me because with all of those, all those missing parts and the way it just seemed like Carolina dominated that game and the Saints couldn't do anything to stop certain parts of what they were trying to put together against a Carolina team that was relatively healthy and you couldn't block anybody on that defensive line. Brian Burns is, is giving Ryan Ramchick the business on spin moves, embarrassing him in ways I have not seen many guys do. Like, you know, I mean, it doesn't – for them to even be in that game and being out eight eight coaches, that says something to me about a team who, who, who could have could have given up, right? And when you don't score at the end of that halftime and you're getting dominated basically on both sides of the, you know, of the, uh, the football field, you can't register pressure after a certain point. I, I mean, most teams give up. Most teams just, you know, just mail it in and say, all right, you know, this is it, you know, this is what it is. It's gonna be a blowout. We'll learn from it. No, they fought, they made it, they gave themselves a chance. Um, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, to mm -hmm. me, that tells me, you know, that that gives me optimism because they are gonna get healthy. I'm expecting a few of those guys that were that were out last week that were with injuries to return this week against New England. And that's gonna make somewhat of a difference. And if it's not next week, the week after that, eventually a majority of these dudes are going to come back. And then you know, something else, I mean, we'll, we'll eventually talk about Peyton Turner, but it allows you to get an eye on a few other guys that maybe under certain circumstances you probably wouldn't have been able to see yet. I mean, um, everything that that was uh, – the way that game looked, when you look at that box score and some of the other things, you know, throughout that uh, telecast, I would have assumed the Saints got beat by a lot more than they did, and they didn't. So um, – it's an ugly game, but 
a lot of those things will not be present in the, in the upcoming weeks. And I think that's when you truthfully judge this team. Um, I, I, I think we were giving, we were giving live updates. I believe the Packers have now tied this game, uh, Nate, so you can smile a little bit more and feel a little <laughs> bit less down. That makes me feel more comfortable. <laughs> and no, yeah, no problem. <laughs> well, here, I'll just read off what we were missing this game. Uh, our wide receiver one, who is a top three receiver in the league, our wide receiver three, center, picker, DN2, DN1, or DT1, cornerback one, our slot corner, and our linebacker two. And those aren't just starters. Those are pro bull level guys at each position. And during this game, uh, I was tweeting, yeah, Zach Bond's not having a great game. Uh, Peyton Turner started off a little rough. It's like Zach Bond looks so good all camp, all preseason. And in this game, yeah, it was a flop. But did anyone look good on that defensive side of the ball? Even Demario Davis. I love Demario. I haven't seen him have a bad game. But he was guessing on some gaps. He was missing some plays. Uh, he was getting beaten covered sometimes. That's just because the defense as a whole were so thin. And I know all week, uh, what the Saints like to do against the Panthers is they like to have C.J. Garner Johnson help on Chris McCaffrey. And they couldn't do it this game. So who had to do that? Malcolm Jenkins had to do that. And just naturally, that is a mismatch. Uh, the Panthers will pick on that every time. And when Demarle Davis was even on uh, Chris McCaffrey, the broadcast said it. I, the Panthers are going to love that matchup no matter what linebacker that is, just because Chris McCaffrey is that good. So it's really hard to judge, judge any of these players on their performance just because they were so thin and they had to adapt to so much. But like you said, if there was a bright spot in this game, Peyton Turner was phenomenal. And that kind of gives me hope for weeks to come. And yeah, we'll get some guys back this week. We'll get some guys back next week. But when that bye comes, I'm really hoping to have everyone back. Maybe a Michael Thomas even back. Uh, Marshawn should be good this week. CJ Gunnar Johnson should be good this week. We'll have Eric McCoy hopefully in a couple weeks. Just this team will start to get healthy again. Uh, we'll cross our fingers and see the injury report uh, this week. Hopefully we didn't lose anyone else. But, yeah, like Chris said, guys are going to start to come back. Uh, they're not going to – It's it can't get much worse than it, it did right now. So I'm really hopeful to see, honestly, a Peyton Turner, Cam Jordan – Marcus Davenport, David Onyemata defense line because that's a really, really good front. And in the second half of that football game, the Panthers, honestly, uh, in pass protection, the Saints D-line was doing a great job and they got tons of pressure. Cam Jordan nearly had a strip sack. Um, I know people are starting to be a little critical on Cam, maybe because the stats aren't there or whatnot. But you go back and watch that game. He had tons of pressure. He was um, blowing up every play. I know the stats aren't necessarily there for Cam, uh, they weren't last year, but he's still an impact player and healthy. This team is going to be really, really good. It was clear and obvious the the Saints were obviously missing Kwan, uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, you go you go back and watch the game, and Bradley Roby even he he was pretty good, but he still had those errors and whatnot. He had a sack, but there was a stat also: Bradley Roby and DJ Moore on average had a 1.6 yard per uh, separation on each route they ran. And that's just not going to win you games. Uh, I thought Debo did a, a decent job on DJ Moore. There was a couple of times he had phenomenal coverage and Sam Darnold just had the day of his life and was just throwing the perfect balls. And it's just something you just move on from. You don't hang your head on it. And I don't think they did, which is a really good thing. Like Chris said, uh, they didn't pout. They didn't 
uh, give up. They kept fighting, and that's a really positive thing. Uh, there was a couple of downs when even Andrew Dowell was in with Demar Davis, and I don't think any of us really expected that. Caden Ellis played a ton of this game as well. So uh, guys we saw in preseason a ton got some snaps. Wyatt McManus played a few snaps on defense. So this defense will get healthy. Uh, I think they'll get back to form, and we'll just see moving forward what this team looks like. Yeah, that's all we can do. Also, we got to throw out there. I know we kind of mentioned special teams, but obviously Blake Gillikin, they literally lined up short for him, like 15 yards too short. That was probably one of the highlights of the game for me is just to see it busted over their heads. But Deontay Harris had a really good job returning kicks this week as well. Uh, it felt worth mentioning. I think Ty Montgomery did pretty well on special teams too. Um, neither of them obviously featuring that big on offense, but in that game, not really all on them in that regard. They definitely tried and did what they could. It's worth giving them a shout out. The Saints don't relatively have back-to-back poor, poor performances, at least um, since they had that historic draft class in. Um, they've rounded out their uh, – they've rounded out being talented pretty much across the board. Um, it's too many good players on that team, too many good, too many good leaders, and too much depth when healthy, too many good coaches when they are COVID-free available. Um, for them not to turn it around. I, I mean, we'll talk about New England, uh, New England later on, man. But I, I mean, you're going to get so many important guys back, man, very, very, very soon. It's going to, I mean, it's going to be night and day. Um, you're not going to have over 10 penalties, I don't think, again. You know, I mean, which was which was another thing that was, you know, that was frustrating. You know, even when you get yourself in 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 better positions and maybe you get a couple first downs and you're starting to move the ball, a penalty happened, a holding penalty happens, or you know, you uh, you know, pass interference, a false start, whatever the case is, there's so many uncharacteristic things from a team that is known to being or that, that has grown with the reputation of being disciplined, being prepared. Uh, being being able to persevere no matter what is out there or who is who is able to play it just you know you could it looked like a team that was actually missing their coaches and you know like I said I just think at the end of the day we we've been spoiled for watching this team win games without Michael Thomas win games without Drew Brees win games without without Marshawn or um, you know you know whoever who, whoever was missing Teron Armstead uh, um, and I think now you know it's hey man it's You know, and you have to give Carolina some credit as well, man. I mean, I talked about it last last week that they have some talent on their defense. Um, And, you know, they were able they were able to show that. I mean, even even, uh, you know, C.J. Garner Johnson was one to say, you know, he (laughs) you know, he gets into it with with J.C. Horn in the defense as you know, as as he's born to do. Right. As he's born to do in the pregame. But he says. Ironically, right? JC Horn is 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 the guy that I respect on that defense. Shout out to JC Joe Horn's son for those who don't know. Um, so you know, I I mean, end of the day, this team will get healthy. Uh, they will get back right. They will make adjustments. The film room will be, you know, will um, you know, people will be buried in there, learning from it, shaking their head. The leaders will do what they do and they'll clean stuff up, man. And I'm, and I, I look for a much better performance in the next coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Closing up this podcast, the saints will get some players back. They'll get some coaches back, but I think almost more importantly, 
is uh, we'll, we'll, we'll preview New England later this week, but this, is, this will be their last week, hopefully, at TCU. And after that, they'll get back to New Orleans, uh, not just to be playing in the Superdome, but in their own homes, playing at their own facility. And I think the city has gotten to a point where it's safe for everyone um, to go to a game necessarily. And obviously having the Saints fans in the stadium will help this team so much. And as far as I'm concerned, this will be their third straight week being on the road. And it, it that in itself is a huge disadvantage. So, so much adversity for this team. Uh, we'll preview this game later this week with the New England Patriots. But obviously we're fighting adversity. The Saints are fighting adversity and the city of New Orleans is fighting adversity. So, uh, all I'm going to say is keep fighting. We're here with you. Uh, if you're bored, of course, listen to this podcast. Give it five stars. We're always here. Um, positive or not, hopefully this week we'll have some more positive news for post game. But check us out for a pregame later this week. Again, I'm Brennan. I'm here with Nate and Chris. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Hey. Who that? 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 Who